hope you're having a great weekend. Welcome to Leading Edge. I'm Dan Cummins in for Jerry Anderson. I like this show today we have for you. November is National Caregivers Month and there's a caregiver expo you might want to be a part of. We have two from the Area Office on Aging here in studio. Mortgage interest rates now at 7% this week and probably going up more. I have the Ohio Realtors president here to give us the pulse of the market of buying and selling homes right now. But first, well, it costs more to put food on your table, but how about those who produce that food? I have Denny Vanicotter and Keith Trucor here to start us off, both Northwest Ohio farmers. And thanks for being with us. When you guys started out getting your, your fuel and your fertilizer and your seed early this year or maybe last fall, what were you thinking? Like, oh, no. Yes, Dan. I mean, the cost of inputs this past year has skyrocketed for, for U.S. farmers. And not only this year, but we're, we're concerned about next year as well, too. Uh, we have the ability to lock in some prices uh, for selling our crops. Uh, but next year, we, we expect that to increase even more the inputs and we don't really have the ability to lock in that profit next year. So we're very, very concerned as, it, as time goes on. So what was your uh, uh, diesel cost to start out this year? Let's talk about running the tractor and everything else. Yeah, di diesel hasn't really come down at all this year. I mean, even today driving up here, it's over $5 a gallon. Uh, that's, a, that's a big expense when, you know, it, we put 200 gallons in a combine. So we're talking about $1,000 just to fill a combine up. And, and you talked about inputs for the year. Another thing that was thing was even the availability of some chemicals for this year. So there's kind of, we worked around that, but there was an issue of getting some chemicals to put on our fields in that this spring. So talk about, you were telling me at the start of this year about how much uh, some of your fertilizer's gone up, things like things that you have to use to, to have quality pro, uh, production. Right, and I, I believe the, the uh, conflict of Russia and Ukraine is also an issue as well, too. Uh, they export a lot of fertilizer in them two countries, and when that conflict started, uh, we've seen uh, price increases because they were not able to export any of, the, any of the, those fertilizer products. Okay, let's show some video here of, of you uh, putting your crops out this year in, uh, compared to previous year, was this a pretty typical year when you were able to get in the fields or did you have to delay a little bit? Because well, we've had some bad years. 2019 was awful. Right. In general, I think we got a little bit of a late start, maybe yeah. two to three weeks late. It was a little cold, wet, uh, end of April, first part of May. Uh, so we had a late start, but uh, uh, the production year was, was a great year. Uh, we've had some timely rains, uh, especially in the month of August. And in general, I think we got some pretty good crops yeah. this year with some pretty good prices as well, too. I'd, I'd say our crop is really above average. I mean, it's, it's just a little above average and not, not bad. So it's above average. And, and like I said, there was a little bit of a delay in our harvest because of the delay this spring, too. Like say it was two weeks late planting, so that also affected harvest. We really didn't start harvesting soybeans until uh, the first week of October, which is a week behind. All right, you're a Putnam County farmer, yes. Keith Fulton County. Yes. Uh, how, does the soil differ uh, from where you two live? I, yes. <laughs> so ours is a lot of clay, flat clay. I don't know, Keith, you get, I 
feel you got just a little touch better soil? Well, I don't know about that, yeah. but uh, it, it's, it's, it is relatively flat. Uh, it's the old lake beds of Lake Erie, basically, you know, and uh, with that in mind, uh, it's very productive, uh, uh, but we have to put a lot of drainage in there to make sure that it's drained well as well, too. So, uh, yeah, yes. very good soil. Oh, oh, a wet spring is, is harder on me. It's because I can't, my soils don't dry as well when it's wet out. So when it's, if I have a more of a drier spring, it's better off for me. Now, Keith, for your harvesting this year, the weather's been ideal. I mean, I remember a year ago, uh, October was a very, very high in amount of precip we had, but now we've had a relatively low number of amounts of rain. So it's been really good to get the fields in. You're absolutely right. Last year, I think we had seven, eight inches of rain in the month of October, and it was very tough to harvest our crops last year. This year, in the month of October, less than a half an inch so far, you know? So therefore, the last three weeks, we really, really got a lot of harvesting done. Uh, we didn't have any delays, weather delays at all. So we're both kind of tired, you know, because of long, long days, but uh, it's great to get, it, get the crops off. Denny, your price is good right now. I mean, it's costing you more to produce. Are, are you getting? Yeah, I, I, would say, I would say they're not as high as they was this summer. I mean, they've fallen off a little bit, and they always do it. They always do in the fall. When, when there's that big glut of grain coming off the fields and that, prices tend to go down. But after the first year, a lot of times, they'll, they'll come back up to where they was and that. So, Guys, explain to me um, the corn that you produce, the soybeans you produce. What exactly does that product go into? I know a lot of different things. Uh, corn for feed and for a variety of it, but, and ethanol, but, but give me an idea of the, what goes into this. Well, in, in corn, uh, we produce about 15 billion bushels of corn. And about a third of that, Dan, uh, is utilized for feed needs, cattle, hogs, poultry. And about a third of that is utilized in ethanol production. And about a third of that is what we export uh, uh, to our foreign buyers. And I would think similar uh, as far as soybeans as well, too. Uh, uh, about two-thirds of the soybeans are utilized for feed needs here in the United States. And about a third of that is exported to our foreign buyers. Yeah. It literally feeds the world. Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, about two weeks ago, you had a, a, a peach bull from uh, North Africa we visiting did. your home. Correct. They were going around the USA. Uh, talk about that, uh, what they were doing here. I, I, one of the Ivory Coast man was telling me that we are, our president has asked us to produce, start producing food, become farmers ourselves, and they're trying to get their farming off the ground. And he said the soil's fantastic and so is the weather. Right, right. Well, U.S. Grains Council puts on a conference every other year, and it happened to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota this year. So they invite all foreign buyers uh, to the United States, and uh, uh, this conference uh, provides them information and, and education on what we produce and how we produce it. But the, the, the neat part of the whole conference is that these groups of buyers uh, come early and get on farms in different states around the Midwest. And just by chance, uh, we hosted a group from North Africa uh, after the conference on, on our farm and, and really in Northwest Ohio as well too. We, we feel that uh, we have to have uh, a relationship with our foreign buyers uh, in order to us to sell effectively uh, as far as our exports are concerned. 
So that's just one part, one piece that we do is invite these people uh, on the farms, show them what we do, how we do it, why we do it type thing. And, and, we're, and we're very sustainable as well too. So we got to explain that to them because they got options. Uh, we're not the only country that exports grains. You've got Brazil, Argentina, Ukraine, all large exporters. So we're in, in competition with them as far as exports and uh, we try to just get a uh, could get to know them a little bit better, so therefore they choose us versus anybody mm -hmm. else as far as exports are Keith, concerned. Denny, we're out of time. I wish we could talk for another hour about this. I know we will down the road, but off camera. Okay. Guys, thanks so much for being thank, with us right you. now. More Leading Edge coming up after this. Be right back. Welcome back. As I said off the top there, it's National Caregivers Month in November. Arcelia Armstrong and Marsha Rose from Area Office on Aging Talk about the whole thing. First, explain to me, Area Office on Aging, what services you provide and, and how are you funded and what big of an area in Northwest Ohio or Lucas County do you cover? Sure. First of all, Dan, thank you so much for having us. The Area Office on Aging of Northwestern Ohio, we actually cover 10 counties in Northwestern Ohio. So we go from the Indiana line all the way to about Vermilion, Ohio. We have a satellite office in Napoleon and a satellite office in Sandusky, Ohio. And then our main administrative office is in Toledo. And we're funded by a myriad of funding sources, state, federal, local, levy dollars. Um, so quite a bit of local funds support us and federal and state funding. And Marsha, we baby boomers are getting older, so we do need your services. Uh, and we've got a society shift right now where a lot of, lot of adults are having to care for their grandchildren, or having to take care of their elderly parents, and it's, it's a tough situation if you're stuck in that. That is so true, Dan. Um, our Kinship Navigator Program at the Area Office on Aging assists kinship caregivers, which are caring for or raising a child due to chronic illness, um, perhaps death, incarceration, poverty, um, substance abuse or mental health issues, or abuse and neglect. Um, there are various reasons that um, a kinship caregiver might step in to raise those children. And yes, we do have a program at the Area Office on Aging, um, Kinship Navigator, that serves Lucas County. How do we get in this situation? Our, our society is just basically uh, uh, growing old, too old, too fast, or, and maybe, our, and also the flip side, some of our kids are not raising children enough that we have to step in and help them. That puts a financial strain, an emotional strain. Uh, I can't imagine, I, I'm a grandparent myself, but having to watch my grandkids, have them live with me, I mean, Empty nester is kind of yeah. a nice situation to be in, but to have this kid suddenly move in, it's not good for anyone, is it? It's challenging, Dan, and a lot of the caregivers that we work with are also caring for an older adult, and they could also be helping to raise a grandchild or a niece or a nephew. So family caregiving is on the rise, and National November is actually celebrated as National Family Caregiving Month, and we're holding our annual Caregiver Expo on Thursday, November 10th, and that's an opportunity for family caregivers, whether they're caring for younger um, children, you know, as a, for, as a relative caregiver, or if they happen to be caring for an aging parent or an aging spouse, they can come and find information and resources to help support them. Okay, so if, if anyone watching this is in that situation, they should come to this perhaps, there's a, what all is there to help out? Is a number of tables or sure. flyers or, or, or people to talk to on site to get some advice? Yes, we've got local, state, and national experts that will be on hand. We've got well over about 35 vendors so far that have already secured space 
at our expo so they can have an opportunity to go talk to individual vendor tables, um, representative from a lot of different community agencies. Home health agencies will be represented there. Um, other healthcare related um, folks will be there. You name it, they can come and find out information and support. Find out how to actually access services through the Area Office on Aging directly. We've got a lot of our folks that'll be on hand for various programs that can help them kind of learn where to reach out and tap into getting information assistance that might be helpful for them, like maybe home health care, adult day services, where to go to get durable medical equipment, where to go to get assessments for a loved one who may, they may be concerned, may have some um, memory issues. So lots of different resources. So there are, there are ways out there to, to get help. It's just a matter of finding where the help is, and this is a great way to facilitate matching of the people that need with people that can solve the problem. Right. In our caregiver support program um, at, at the Area Office on Aging, we actually are releasing our new ninth edition of the Caregiving Smarts Resource Guide, and that's available with a lot of different information for caregivers. It's a 64-page comprehensive resource guide with lots of different resources that cover our 10-county area that family caregivers will be able to access and pick up at that event. Marshall, what's your typical day like when you come into work? Uh, do you have a stack of, of messages to, to respond to and emails? Or give me a, a typical day of what you need to do at your job. We are, we provide a lot of different services. So we mainly do information and referral um, by phone. So we get a lot of caregivers and uh, community partners that contact us for assistance. Um, so we help direct those people to appropriate resources in the community. Many times when those um, kids come to live with grandma or grandpa um, or a family relative, they, it's at a very last moment's notice. Yeah. They arrive without any you know, clothes. You know, it's extra cost for food, utilities, and things like that for the household that takes them in. Um, so a typical day, it's always a little different. We have a lot of special events um, with our community partners, um, generous donations. We're able to offer help with school supplies, winter coats, holiday meals, and even um, sometimes tickets to the Mud Hens and Walleye Games for a family fun night. Otherwise, families wouldn't be able to afford um, these type of things. Arcelia, Marsha, thank you for what you do. They're both from Office on Aging and here to help people. And there's the Caregiver Expo coming up in November on November 10th, a Thursday. We'll be right back with more Leading Edge. Welcome back to Leading Edge. I'm Dan Cummins. We're going to talk with John Mangus. He's with the Ohio Realtors, the president of the state. Uh, there were so many questions to ask you. But first of all, the news this week was that interest rates hit 7%. Now, if you're old enough, as an adult in the 70s, 80s, you remember when interest rates were like double digits. And maybe we're heading that way. We sure hope not. But compare how things have been like every day's Christmas. You're selling homes like crazy, yeah. uh, and now things are slowing down. So you make a great point. You know, we did have some uh, really unpleasant interest rates in the 80s and, and early 90s. But what we're seeing now is really a more normal rate, Dan. You know, what we're seeing now is really typical of the industry. We all just got spoiled over the last few years. We took it for granted. You did, I think the consumer did, all the free money for the yes. loans, the, the two and a half, three and a half percent yes. loans. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, no, probably not. But you know, what's important to remember is the mortgage interest deduction is still there. You know, I think when interest rates were in the high twos to mid threes, you know, people didn't really think about the mortgage deductibility on their interest. And today, that number matters again, Dan. 
That's a great point. So how many, with Remax, how many homes were you able to sell typically during a month versus how things have tapered off now? Sure. Of course, when things were good last year, inventory was kind of a problem too because homes would go as soon as they come out on the market. Exactly. You know, inventory has come up a little bit. There are a few more homes on the market than there were. But, you know, we still are challenged with, with the market slowing and contracting a bit. Uh, what that really means is that there is more opportunities for first-time buyers, especially first-time buyers, because there's not as much demand. So, for instance, uh, September of last year, we sold just over 200 houses, like 213 houses. And September of this year, we were in the 180s. So, you know, we were off a bit. Uh, so, you know, the market has contracted a bit. Interest rates have gone up a bit. Um, but there's still opportunity there for buyers. One of the sayings that, that's a little cliche, but you date the rate and you marry the house. You can always refinance to a lower rate later. I would think it would be more difficult to break into buying a home right now to start from scratch because you, know, you don't have any home equity to, to, to cash in to lower the, the burden somewhat because a lot of us that have homes, uh, you've got some equity in a home. Right. If you jump to another place, you got, but you're jumping in. Uh, it's, but, but still, it's, it's better than, rent is throwing money away pretty much, isn't it? Well, you know, think of it this way. Rent is 100% interest, right? Yep. I mean, you're not ever getting a return back on the rent that you pay. And if you look at what inflation has done to rent, not just in Toledo, but around the country, rents have really, really outpaced inflation. So when you look at rent, that really isn't a great long-term strategy. Home buying is still a better, a better strategy overall. Even with the interest rates as high as they are. Yes, because you still benefit from the appreciation. You know, people talk about us being in a recession perhaps, but one of the key indicators with most recessions is that property values drop and we're still seeing incremental appreciation. Not like we were in the spring or last year, but we're still seeing properties um, in increasing in values. So that's a indication that maybe we aren't in a recession, we're just going through an inflationary period. When a uh, home would go on the market, it, it, it would be on the market for how many days versus how things have progressed to now. <laughs> I mean, uh, there, I, I heard stories where, maybe from you, where a house goes on the market and as soon as it's on the market, it's got like three offers and- Or each, 30 offers, Dan. And each offer has to, to <laughs> yeah. keep going. So maybe you're asking 250, the first offer is 270, 280, 290. Yeah, so you know, we went through this era where escalation clauses were part of the norm. The problem with escalation clauses is at the end of the day, most people are getting financing and the property still has to appraise. So, you know, escalation clauses were a great way to drive those prices up. But, you know, think of it this way. When you've got a property that has 16, 18, 25 offers on it, and you've got five or six or seven of those that have escalation clauses, where do you start the floor at? You know what I mean? So when you go to an auction, the auctioneer starts a minimum bid, right? But with the escalation clause, that never really happened. So it became really problematic. And then ultimately, the property still has to appraise. Uh, what's your advice for a first-time prospective home buyer uh, to, to get your financing ahead of time? And with the high interest rates, is money tighter than it was a year ago? So there is money to lend. Um, local lenders are the way to go. Talk to your local lender. Talk to a favorite local lender. Call me. Call my office. We'll, we'll recommend some local lenders because they know the market. They know the local market. They know what the inventory is like, and they can help that buyer position themselves. Uh, make sure that the credit's cleaned up. Uh, make sure that maybe if there's some short-term debt that needs paid down, 
um, you know, cleaning up some credit card debt, or you know, if you're a millennial, uh, maybe you've got some uh, credit card um, payment on time issues from the college days, Dan. Um, all of those things matter because the, the cleaner that, that file becomes, the lower the interest rate, the lower the closing costs, the better the transaction is for that buyer. So from your perspective, business as a realtor is still pretty good. It just isn't as good as last year, which was Correct. just off the charts. Correct. Historically unusual. Historically unusual. Last year was frankly an anomaly. I mean, it, it happens from time to time. And it was going to last forever, John. Kind of like Hurricane Ian. You know, it was an, an anomaly. That market like that we had was really an anomaly. But what we have now is a more balanced market. You know, we're seeing opportunity for buyers. We're still seeing sellers getting a good number for their property. Yes, rates are higher, but there's still opportunity in the market. Is, this, is the amount of inventory still manageable for you to be able to sell a home? It is, and the, the good thing is um, we're seeing inventory coming up a bit, so there is opportunity for first-time buyers in the fall market that they didn't have in the spring market because there was just so much demand in that spring market. Speaking of market, let me go to like supply and demand for a minute. You know, baby boomers uh, are, have a home ownership rate of around 78%. Gen Xers have a home ownership rate of around 67%. If we look at the largest of the demographics, the millennials, they're still under 40% homeowners. So there's still a big gap there to be filled. And I don't think, you know, I don't think we can lose sight of that, Dan. All right, John Mangus, thanks so much for coming pleasure. here on Leading Edge. Give us an idea of the real estate market. We'll be right back with more right after this. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot today. We heard from the Area Office on Aging and what resources are out there if you were in a situation where you're a caregiver. There's a caregiver expo coming up. We also learned about how the economy is affecting the real estate market and also how farmers are affected by inflation. Thanks for joining us tonight and this morning for Leading Edge. Have a great weekend.